Hi, Independently this is yours. A weekly radio show exploring tech news. Broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia every Wednesday. Hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch with us via the Triple R website or bite into its Facebook or Twitter accounts. This computer has a vast memory capacity. This is not a computer simulation. Most unusual. Are we ready to release our new software? Yes, sir. As requested, it's full of bugs, which means people will be forced to upgrade for years. Outstanding. Good. You've covered all the bases. Computer status report. From this time forward, you will service us. Our priorities seem to have changed. There's no news. Like bad news. Would you mind identifying what you are? Bites. So. We welcome you to Byte Into It, where we talk uh, technology, the internet, gaming, security, uh, all kinds of good stuff on a Wednesday afternoon. Uh, tonight on the show, uh, behind the panel, uh, having a blinder uh, in her own words, it's uh, Ro Murray. Ro, how are you? Good evening, everyone. I'm very well. How was your uh, drive down Nicholson Street tonight? <laughs> This poor crowd has been listening to me bitch for about two hours about how terrible the traffic has been in Melbourne. Um, Nicholson Street served me well. Um, All the busted uh, traffic lights on the other side of the river did not, sadly. Uh, Also, uh, Lily Ryan is in the studio tonight. How are you? I'm not doing too badly. Yeah? Have you had a good week in tech, would you say? I've had a very interesting week in tech. Mm. Yeah. Interesting or good? <laughs> <laughs> interesting. Mm. So, some, some bits are good. Some bits are just, you know, I, I think I'm running out of popcorn. Gotcha. Uh, it has been that kind of week already, but um, where else to talk about it than, uh, than on the show tonight? Um, I'm with you also, uh, Warren Davies, and uh, we've got a, a big show tonight. We're going to go deep on a, a topic that um, uh, is um, of interest to um, not only all the people on the show, but um, some of you out there as well. Um, you may have been watching the uh, the Twitter uh, implosion and, uh, and migration um, as, I, I guess, one of the the more popular networks of the, the past decade or so is uh, going through some changes. So we're going to be joined by uh, Schley, uh, who's a maintainer of the Oz.Social Mastodon instance, and also uh, Arin Shaw, who's maintainer of the CloudIsland.nz Mastodon instance, to have a chat about, uh, I guess, one of the uh, alternatives to, to Twitter, federated networks, um, how things are different over there. So they're going to be hanging out with us for uh, a bit uh, on the show. But before then, there is a, a bit of news going on um, that we did want to bring to your attention. Um, I've been following uh, in the um, Can You Believe It um, news, uh, Victoria's COVID contact tracing information uh, has been shared um, with a data mining uh, company in America, uh, Palantir. Um, in news that will shock absolutely nobody, um, it's come <laughs> out that um, where we've been checking in, uh, who we've been checking in with, etc., has been passed on. Seemingly for the right reasons, not that there is a right reason for, for doing this, but um, at the time Victoria was looking to um, get on top of contact tracing and uh, mystery cases that were going on. I think it was maybe the third 
third wave, third lockdown, maybe the second one, we were a bit confused as to where these cases were coming from, given that we're theoretically all inside and you know doing jigsaw puzzles for for the rest of days. <laughs> um, but Palantir has been involved in um, a, a lot of dubious stuff um, in the past, uh, including the the 2016 election uh, for Trump, and uh, it was actually founded by US tech billionaire Peter Thiel, who's um, you know uh, wacky, weird, and wonderful. But I don't know. Should, should should we have been surprised? Is this shocking to either of you? No. Yeah, no. I have zero faith in any of this kind of stuff at this point. None whatsoever. Mm. It's like, who could possibly have predicted this? <laughs> Do you think, I mean, how uh, how concerned are you about some of this kind of sort of fairly bland metadata? On, on one hand, like, it's, it no, you know, you're telling people where you were. I was at the Coles. I was at the Thirsty Camel, you know, whatever. Um, and we shouldn't be passing that information on to, to people who are uh, fast and loose with it. But also, it was, I was at the Coles, I was at the Thirsty Camel. Like, how worried should we be? That, I think, depends a lot on what you have to be worried about. Mm. You know, if you're just going down to the Coles and then going to get a drink, um, then maybe that's okay. But, you know, perhaps mm. you weren't supposed to be in that part of town. Perhaps, mm. you know, there there are people in that part of town who... You know, you may not want it known that you're affiliated with. Who knows? Interesting. No, that's a good point. Um, so, yeah, it's an election. Um, if you're unhappy about that, um, you can uh, have your say at the polls uh, coming up um, in the next few weeks. Uh, Ro, you've been uh, following what's been going on in uh, drone news. You are the drone reporter. I'm right into it. <laughs> good evening. And the latest update in drone news is... Um the Gold Coast is about to start getting its little KFC nuggies delivered um, <laughs> via drone. So uh, Google's parent company, which is called Alphabet, actually owns this drone delivery service, which is known as Wing, and it's actually set up shop in Queensland. Um, it has been doing a little bit of um, testing delivery, a bit of groceries, a bit of KFC, that kind of thing. They have officially partnered with DoorDash, which for those of you who aren't little piglets like my good self, that is a home delivery snack service um, and they're actually going to be putting its unmanned mini aircraft to work in the good old on-demand mill space which as most of us all know is um, just continuing to grow and embed so um, yeah they reckon those that um, choose to get their food delivered via drone will have it in about 15 minutes from um, the order being picked up and the idea is actually going to be tested via pilot program in Logan which is in southeast Queensland so started off t- trialling in the Gold Coast now it's with DoorDash in Logan let's see what ends up happening how can they even uh i mean surely like compliance with uh that's a bit that fascinates me yeah like air traffic control and air traffic authorities and um i can't imagine they're too fussed about like commercial um traffic lanes and flights and what have you is logan like do we know is logan near an airport should we be worried about that i'm not flying to logan are you flying to logan to Logan anytime soon. I'm, okay. I'm kind of curious as to whether it's going to be close to like Cool and Gatter or something like that and might have a regional. Mm. Um, let's have a quick look, Probably shall we? Probably all the Queenslanders screaming at the radio right now. No, no. <laughs> it's like, it's nowhere near. you Melbourne people have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, I, I think, I mean, the, the applications of this are, are kind of interesting. I think for like, you know, emergency blood deliveries or organs or, um, you know, there's other stuff that it wouldn't be a bad idea to get out there. But I don't think it should just be open slather and chicken nuggets should be falling from the sky like rain <laughs> just just because we can. Yeah. Well, there, there actually is a small um, airport out Logan Way, Archerfield Airport, which is from the looks of its Google Maps photos full of pipers and stuff like that. So, 
and yeah. Cessnas. So Watch out. who knows? There might be a little bit of a, a bird incident that <laughs> wasn't feather powered. Interesting. And uh, you've also been watching the rollout of uh, EV chargers, I think. Oh, we love a little bit of an EV chat. So um, one of the biggest issues that Australia has obviously had in the big picture rollout of electric vehicles is a complete lack of charges. And as we all know, we're geographically enormous and geographically mm. quite empty once you get out of the um, you know, major, major regions. So um, there's an Australian EV charger installation company that goes by EVX and they've joined forces with the UK EV infrastructure company called Connected Curb um, and they plan on building out a 1,000 electric vehicle charge points across Australia within the next 24 months. So that comes off the back of, um, for example, the WA state government is putting in a highway that will almost get you to broom for EVs, setting up charging stations. So it's kind of cool that it's happening there's a combination of different, you know, state governments and local councils that are getting on board, and now it's getting commercially, you know, viable to put these puppies in as well. So, um, you know, one small, you know, drop in a very large bucket, but it's a start. It looks good. They're also um, they're not putting out the Bowser um, type installations. They're actually using stuff that's already there. So they're putting it into bollards, poles, and, and other bits and pieces. So oh, that's very cool. Which is cool. Yeah, saves money, saves emissions, etc. But um, also just you know visual pollution, um, which is good. Mm. Nice. Yeah. Um, I have uh, well, I, when I in Europe, I had both eyes in Europe recently, but um, I did find this when I was um, in Australia. Um, Europe is actually doing a, a good job of, um, I guess, uh, muscling into the um, the big folks on the um, on the interwebs. And a new law actually took um, effect uh, last week. Um, the Digital Markets Act uh, in the European Union. Uh, is now in force and it's um, starting a, a process to expand um, oversight over um, players like Amazon, Google, Meta um, to make their platforms more open and interoperable um, from 2023. Um, so they've got a period of six months where they're looking to define who are these big players that are kind of um, clutching up the internet for most of us. And the idea is um, you should be able to uh, work with all of these services um, with one another. So if you have uh, an iPhone, for example, you should be able to download apps from um, the Google Store or from uh, any uh, app store. Uh, if you're sending a message on Signal, you should be able to send it to WhatsApp and to Messenger or to as a text message to, uh, to your mum or something like that. So I, I guess breaking down the walls of these wall gardens is what they're about. So they're doing that um, for the next six months and then they're going to report back on that. And then after that, they're saying they're giving these companies six months to comply. It's not a matter of voluntary compliance. They're saying this is the law. If you want to operate in Europe, um, this is what you have to do and you've got six months to do something about it. Um, and they're expecting a bit of a stink to be kicked up by um, some of these companies, which uh, is not unusual. There's a, a lot of money and kind of technology at play uh, here. Um there is a second sweeping law that's going to follow up on, on the back of this, the Digital Services Act, um, which is going to require probably something that's even more exciting and interesting, assessments of the algorithms and disclosures about ha uh, automated decision-making by services like TikTok and so forth. So uh, there's suggestions that these are going to be open to outside scrutiny, um, potentially publishing them so you can actually see what's going on. And um, I'm not sure sort of what happens from there. It all gets a bit, uh, a bit interesting and hairy. But um, I think that's cool. I think... Um, Probably the most interesting thing here is a shift from um, we're going to find you and, you know, we're going to sort of um, go toe-to-toe -to -toe with you to this is just the way it is and if you want to do business here, this is how it's going to be. So, um, yeah, interesting thing to know. Yeah. Uh, Speaking of other stuff and uh, breaches and so forth, many, <laughs> many, many banks um, had a bad week, it's fair oh. to say. 
They sure have. Uh, I think Medibank customers have probably had a worse week in a lot of ways. Um, yeah, uh, folks who have been listening to the show for the last couple of weeks probably heard a lot about the Optus breach. The Medibank breach isn't one that we've discussed as much, but on Monday, Medibank, I am trying so hard not to say Medicare, mm. Medibank um, have um, confirmed that the there, there's data on um, many millions of their customers. I think 9.7 million customers' personal information, names, birthdates, email addresses, passport numbers have been stolen. They've confirmed this now. They knew there was a breach, but now we know a bit more about the extent of it. And also we know that a ransomware group has threatened to release that information as well. People are starting to get um, scam calls related to health information that has been held with Medibank um, because they also have all of the Medicare numbers for, you know, treatments and things like that. Um, and you can look those up. You know, those are public tables of the, the kinds of reference so people can tell what kind of uh, treatments you've been having if they have that information. It's all pretty devastating, honestly. Mm. Horrendous, really. Yeah. What should people do if they are a Medibank customer? What What would you suggest? You kind of know a bit about security. It's yeah. It's really difficult when when data has been breached, um, like with the Optus breach, where you saw people saying, "Look, all right, well, we're going to change our." driver's licenses, passport numbers, that kind of thing, some of which were also exposed in the Medibank breach. Those things are still available and can be done. Medibank has also been a lot more forthcoming with their customers, I think, with that initial information than Optus has. Um, so Medibank customers should be across this. But if, if not, um, that is something that you should be looking into. Assume that the data that they had on you has been breached, I would say. Um, apart from that... There are also, um, I suppose, uh, I'm just trying to think of the word. No, mm. it's totally escaped me. Anyway, um, perhaps a class action. I think that's what's mm. possibly being discussed. And also the the government's new laws that have been introduced to increase fines are things that are, you know, probably coming for Medibank very soon. But it does really suck when you are the victim of a data breach because once the data's out, there's not much you can do. It's, yeah. it's getting pretty wild. Um, you know, I, I caught up with a mate on the weekend who was saying that they have, you know, they're an Optus customer, they're a Medibank customer, that kind of thing. They have applied for replacement and new, like, credit card numbers something like seven times in the last five months because of breaches and attempts and all this kind of stuff. And it's just this ongoing saga. Oh, uh, no. Just yeah, absolute dog's breakfast. Yeah. I'd also be wary of, you know, people who are trying to text you out of the blue if you've never heard of them before and they're asking for money and all other kinds of things. Uh, it's likely to be a scam. Scammers are having a field day with this. Mm. Um, I will also say as well that if you are impacted by this and it is distressing you because it is legitimately distressing, um, you can call Lifeline 131114 if you need to talk. Triple R. Welcome back. You are on 3 Triple R. It is 721 and... In the studio, we have Bro, Warren, and me, Lily. This evening, we are going to be talking with Schley, who is the maintainer of the Oz.Social Mastodon instance, and Oren Shaw, who is the maintainer of the CloudIsland.nz Mastodon instance. Um, and if you don't know what a Mastodon instance is, you will soon. Um, so welcome to the show, Oren and Schley. Hi. Hi. Yeah, um, it's been it's been a pretty interesting uh, what week two weeks. Uh, what's what has been going on in in the world of Mastodon? What has happened for you folks? It has been one heck of a few days for me at least. I think Schlee's had it a bit harder than I have. 
No, no, um, uh, we've had this uh, little community that's been slowly growing very, like, naturally, you know, through word of mouth um, over the last, let's say, three and a bit years. Um, and to kind of wake up one day and realise that you're having thousands of people sign up every day, especially to mine, is, uh, um, it, f firstly, it fell over. And then it's like a, it's, it's kind of that thing of being like, we built this thing just to maintain, you know, like about, you know, 500 people. And then it fell over, so I rebuilt a little bit more, and it fell over again. Um, so that's been my week. Just um, a lot of gaff tape. Yeah, sounds like sounds like quite a time. So um, there has there has definitely been something going down that has brought a lot of people to your doorsteps. Um, anybody who's spent any time on Twitter in the last little while will know that um, everybody's favorite emerald mine son, Elon Musk, has purchased it uh, for the cheap, cheap price of $44 billion dollars. And has proceeded to take over as CEO and do precisely what he wishes, which changes very rapidly. Um, that seems to have caused a, a bit of a bit of a time on Twitter. Um, <laughs> Ro and Warren, you're fairly regular Twitter users, right? How's it been for you? <laughs> uh, I've noticed my Twitter just like the number of. Um, tweets that come into my timeline has plummeted. So it would go from four or five, 600 a day down to 200, maybe. Um, it's so much lighter for me on Twitter right now. Yeah, it's amazing stuff. Um, I, I've definitely lost a chunk of followers. Um, but you know, that's not the end of the world. I'm not too phased about that. But um, yeah, I, I just, um, I'm, I'm kind of enjoying watching the dumpster fire, which is a little bit terrible, but I'm also quite happy to hang in there and just see what happens. I'm definitely not, oh, I'm going to suspend and get out of there. But I have noticed, and you don't know how much of this you attribute, and it's not, you know, for reals, but um, I've noticed an uptick in um, scammers and spammers trying to hit up my direct messages and things like oh, that. Really? Yeah, so I really don't know whether that's just you know, a blip that happens now and then there's a bit of a surge or whether it's something a bit more sinister. And Mastodon has become the the place of choice for a lot of people who have been using Twitter for a very long time to move to and and sign up there and get a very similar kind of experience, but it isn't entirely the same kind of thing. Um, do do either of you, Oren or Shlee, have have a handy one-liner about Mastodon? What is it? How you how you use it what what does it do it's the description i use is that mastodon and twitter got together and made something that's kind of both but also isn't um it's really difficult to describe without getting into like kind of deep technical nerdery which we can delve into later with to like really describe what mastodon is or what it's trying to do but it's like twitter plus email kind of gets you close to how an end user will experience it. And I kind of think about it's um, Mastodon is a certain level of Twitter, but it's kind of what it's missing is Mastodon is Twitter without the, I, I guess the advertising. So it's um, about the kind of tracking and about the algorithm. It kind of removes a lot of the ugliness, um, which is yeah, kind of the motivation why I started in the first place. And where, where are some of the places that, the Twitter migration sort of tend to go wrong. What What are some of the things I, I noticed? Um, there's been lots of kind of helpful tips from people who've been around there for a while about, you know, you don't really have direct messages. It's only like visibility statuses. So like, you know, if you want to mention uh, Oren, don't tag Oren or, or, you know, put an <laughs> at in front of Oren's name because Oren will be in there. What What are some of the key differences for people who are used to the, the bluebird? The 
I guess the biggest one that most people will bump into like almost immediately is the entire the entire culture around content warnings that Mastodon has. Um, the the software itself lets you mark out a block of text as hidden by default and put a little warning above it. And this is used for all sorts of things, like subject lines for people putting out a long post, or uh, this is a photograph of something that you might not want to look at. And this isn't necessarily something like you will be you will be harmed by this, but it's more like here's a warning of what this is so that you can open it up if you're in a place where you can look at it. Viewer discretion is advised. This is, ba this mm -hmm. is what this is for. And people coming to Mastodon, from my experience, that's the first thing they bump into, and they bump into it hard in a very sort of, you want me to do what now? This is censorship. You can't ask me to do this. How dare you? And that that is, I think, the biggest cultural hurdle I've seen. Yeah, I yeah um so, sorry, sorry about that. Yeah, I, I was just going to um, pop in that I was, uh, you know, playing on my new Mastodon account earlier today. And, um, you know, one of the users in my instance had put up a beautiful little short essay about you know, we're, we're weirdos in here and we like it the way we do it. Yes, we have trigger warnings. Yes, we treat each other nicely. This is how we go about it. And um, I'm actually really proud of it. And I thought that was actually a really, really lovely thing to see and to, to almost like setting that intent, you know, from the outset. Um, but sorry, I completely cut you off there, Shalif. Go for it. I know. Um, I was going to say, because um, the other thing about Mastodon is also um, there's a certain level of safety that, that's like everyone can because I guess Lily can understand, like, as a, you know, people will always find ways to break the rules. But um, Mastodon doesn't, also doesn't have a really um, thick, I guess, like, it doesn't have, like, a search function which works the same way you expect it. Because some people on Twitter might go, and this is, I guess this is me, but this is the example on the top of my head, is, like, on Twitter you can type in, like, I really like you too, and then start flaming that person. Um, on Mastodon you can't just search for you too and then try and find people to bait. Um so there's a certain incentive to follow and try and find people a little bit like it makes it makes discovering people harder like finding your friends or finding pe like people like-minded people might be a bit harder but it, um there are like safety elements which are kind of built into it which some people don't like um but there's at least they're trying to make it a little little less um aggravated i found that instances are one of the ways that mastodon allows for people to create intentionally uh, good communities or safe communities for specific groups of people. And I wanted to dig into the concept of an instance a bit because that is another core way that Mastodon differs from Twitter where you have one Twitter and everybody logs in and you're whatever at twitter.com. But with Mastodon, you could be, for example, I'm Atticus at oz.social and um, Oren runs cloudisland.nz. And that is something that each one of those are its own separate server and own separate communities. And there are different communities for, for lots of different places and they all federate with each other. So they all let each other talk between themselves. And there are also some that are defederated. Could you talk a bit about the differences between, uh, between those sort of federated instances and the communities that you create inside of them? I start with Oren perhaps. Sure. So the this comes back to my original sentence of um, Mastodon is kind of like Twitter plus email. An instance is your at twitter.com. In my case, at cloudisland.nz. I am Oren at cloudisland.nz. Cloud Island has about 130 users right now. 
And those users kind of make up their own little community. And there's a little time, there's a timeline you can view that is just everyone on Cloud Island, and you can read that. But because Mastodon is cool, I can follow Schlee on Oz Social. I just um, and then start um, sending uh, posts to him um, and uh, anywhere across the world. So toot.wales exists or mastodon.ie. Irish, Irish Mastodon is is big right now. It's it's hilarious over there. Um, there and are, then I got derailed. I, no, I apologize. That's all right. I was, um, there are also instances that, that have been defederated from, right? Like, so there are places people choose to go if they're into certain topics that, that other people don't want contact with. Um, the one that comes prominently to mind for me is, is Gab, which is full of Nazis and generally not something people really want much to do with. Um, so how, you know, how do you choose the instances you want to federate with versus the ones you don't? By default, you federate with everything. Um, well, that's not entirely true. There is a there is a, a switch you can flick to say, I don't want to federate with anything by default. Um, but by default, you set it up and you, you can talk to everything. Um, so you have to go out of your way to choose. And this is like my job and Schlie's job to say, okay, actually, these people, I don't want to talk to them ever. Never, ever, ever. Um, and then there's another set you can say, well, maybe we can have some people talk to them a little bit, but not like really. Um, that is the, and for me, I'm, I take a very strong hand in, if I see something that's a little bit off or a little bit like, uh, I, I drop it immediately. We, 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 we pull the plug as soon as we can, because it's important to, to me. And this is, I think, one of the huge advantages of an instance like mindset with a Mastodon is that I can curate the community and I can curate what the community is forced to look at because those sorts of people will come and they will find your instance. Like they will come and try to find you on Twitter and they will come and try to like harass you or send you negative things. I can do a lot of work to prevent that from happening before it happens. And I think for me, that is like the huge value of just like having an instance. I think it's interesting. It, the, the, the same as Ro kind of the sense of community was really strong when I kind of poked around in it this week, this week and it felt nice. But one of the things that I did like about Twitter was following people I disagreed with. And you learn a lot by just hanging out with people where you don't necessarily share their worldview. And I'm not talking about Nazis, like there's, there's no time for that. But just people kind of like on the other side economically or politically or just people in different parts of the world that I've never been to, etc. That was that was really kind of cool before maybe like the mood started to change a, a little bit in recent times. Is it an either-or thing? Do we have to be like hanging out in hamlets or hanging out in mega cities, and there's no kind of in between? Uh, I think it's interesting to think about lines in the way which is there is the most satisfaction I've gotten out of being an admin is actually like defederating like a turf instance. There's a certain joy in that. Um, <laughs> Agreed. It. it feels so good. You push the button and you watch the number of like interactions just go and then you see ah. so, and this, this is the thing i'm going to try and stress a lot because like there's a certain anxiety and certain uh i just worry that i have being an admin is i want to and safety i, I basically want to say safety and safety over and over again but um i there's a there's a there's a big line between this is a hobby it's an experiment it's um but also people are some some people will just tell you who they are directly up, up front and be like your this instance is dedicated to uh like four channels and you're like, okay, that's a really easy sell because it's, it builds safety. But, um, it also, what it doesn't it does create islands though. It was like the bad instances will talk to the bad instances and the good instances will talk to the good instances. 
And because they can't cross-communicate, they actually hopefully will just like settle down. They'll get bored and do something else. Um, and then the communication that hopefully is on, is on our side of the fence will hopefully be a little bit better, a bit nicer. Um, and so all we can ask for is people to try and be their you know, best selves kind of thing. Completely love that approach. So for our listeners at home, we're uh, talking all things Mastodon, um, seeing as Twitter's a little bit of a binfire at the moment. So we're having a chat to Schley, who is the maintainer of the Oz.social Mastodon instance, and Oren Shaw, who's the maintainer of the CloudIsland.nz Mastodon instance. So we're going to go to a really cool track, and then we're going to come back and keep talking a Mastodon with Schley and Oren. This is a podcast from Triple R, an independent media organisation in Melbourne, Australia. To find out more about Triple R or to explore many more shows, podcasts, articles, videos and interviews, head to the Triple R website at rrr.org.au. It's 7.39pm and you are back on Bite Into It on 3 Triple R with Ro, Warren and Lily. And we are here talking Mastodon with Oren Shaw, who is the maintainer of cloudisland.nz, and Shlee, who is the maintainer of oz.social. Mastodon instances that have been seeing a very sharp rise in users, in traffic, in all kinds of interactions in the last couple of days as a result of the mass exodus from Twitter following Elon Musk's purchase of the platform. So we are, we're all, I think, everybody on this is a Mastodon user at the moment. And I wanted to know a bit more from, from Ro and from Warren as people who have signed up recently to the platform, um, what your experience was like. How was it? Yeah, look, it's it's been really cool. So I first signed up for Mastodon, oh, I reckon it would have been seven or eight years ago. And naturally in that amount of time, uh, still don't have the email address, don't have the mobile phone number, can't remember the instance, can't remember the handle, can't remember a darn thing about it. So I've started from scratch again this week, which was really cool. Um, and uh, I definitely had to be, there were a lot of instances that, you know, my mates were on and stuff that I was keen to join, but Obviously, there's been such an intense overwhelm that a lot of, um, you know, memberships is apply only or, you know, not visible at all and all that kind of stuff, which I completely understand. Um, But it is kind of, uh, I guess, in terms of look and feel, I'm enjoying the the feed and the explore approach to it at the moment. Um, But I do wish it was easier to find my friends. Um, You know, we were referring to that before, that there's good reasons why you can't just hoover around and, you know, look people up. Um, So, yeah, Warren, how have you been finding it to kick off? Yeah, it's um, it's not un, it's not unusual, I guess, if you've used um, social networks. The, the kind of app experience is pretty similar to to a lot of them. Um, yeah, I, I guess choosing so I, for for people who haven't used it before, you have to kind of choose a place to kind of put your stuff uh, temporarily, and you can kind of move your stuff around uh, from from one server to the next. So it's not a you know a, a permanent thing. So kind of jumping in and kind of going, oh, who do I want to hang out with a little bit of my time because you've kind of got your your, your community and we're kind of talking to some people who kind of are more sort of community focused than kind of what's the broader sort of social experience. So it's a good idea to choose that um, smartly, like find some people that you're going to have a good conversation with. Uh, and then, yeah, it's a matter of you have to find an app. If you like an app experience, you don't have to, you can just log in, but um, finding one that kind of works for you and they're not all the same. Um, there's multiple apps and um, paid versions, free versions, etc. Um yeah, I think uh, like Ro, kind of finding finding your people. I remember like a desperate sort of Sunday night scramble to try and you know 
a lot of people on Twitter have kind of like renamed themselves by their Mastodon um, address and um, figuring out just some of the basic protocols there. Um, but it's kind of, it's kind of similar. I think um, I've had some kind of tender moments where I've been doing stuff on social media that I haven't been doing for a long time, like getting involved in the hashtag. It's a very hashtag driven kind of community. Yes, so you're I like, really, here's my like, dog, here's my cat. Hashtagging again. <laughs> you know, let's talk about knitting, whatever. Um, so that's kind of fun. And um, you can you can definitely feel the goodwill in it. There's a real sweet spot of people like going, yeah, that's a, that's a mighty fine looking cat you've got there. And there's not the... Um, the kind of persistent cynicism that you get of, of, of Twitter. Um, and even when I almost kind of feel like I want to tut, tut people when they bring over some cynicism, cynicism from Twitter, <laughs> we're like, I could deal with that on Twitter and I understand that, but here like lift your game. Like it's not that kind of place. Like be, be nice. I've been looking at Mastodon yeah, in the, bring over the Oh, sorry, Shley, go on. Sorry, people bring over the, but bring over the Twitter beeps on the Mastodon is actually saying it was really annoying. Yeah, fair enough. Oh, so, I, I block you on Twitter. Now you're over here. Damn you! <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I've been uh, I've been looking on Mastodon during the break, and um, there were people who were describing the instances that a lot of them are part of as cozy core, uh, which was I think a really great term for it. It just does feel like you're, you're down so at the pub wholesome. with your friends, hanging out, um, and there are places where you can. You can get that wider view. There are federated views. You can see literally everything that's going on on the main federated servers as well. Or you can stick local, and that's really good too. But I know that as overwhelming as it is to join a new social media platform, particularly when you have probably like many people who are active Twitter users been on that platform for a long time, it can be overwhelming. For instance, admins, I think, is a very different type of overwhelming, and I'd love to hear some more from both Oren and Schley about this. I know that both of you run different types of instances, Cloud Island has been something that has is typically uh, paid accounts only, right, and fairly curated, and and also social while also being curated has had open membership until what this morning, I think. Um, how how has it been um, in terms of your your time, uh, energy, and uh, account balances? <laughs> Do you want to go first, Shley? Um I think you've got. Uh, I want to talk about this as well, but you've got quite a bit more there. I think. Um. I think sorry, the, the, the immediate thing is actually a joke, which was like, I didn't really expect because when everything fell over, I actually spent a lot of time over the basically like 48 hours nonstop in front of my computer. And, by, and I had to cancel dinner and like spending time with my partner and um, all that kind of stuff. So it's a real question being like the major frustration was actually my girlfriend being annoyed at me, um, which is a big kind of like small domino is like, Elon Musk spends like $44 billion and the big one is like my girlfriend being pissed. Um, oh God, no. It's a real long path, but um, it's a mix of like, um, I think it's, I've kind of lost my train of thought in a way, which is like, there's, I am a technical person. Like I can, I can deal with the scale. I can deal with the, um, the technical side. Um, but it's when it comes to being like building something, which actually kind of offers, I want to build something around the community. Like when it was 500 people, everyone knew each other. Every single person who joined, I would like send a message to and say hello. It'd be like a bit introductory. Um, I can't do that on 10,000 people. So I'm slowly starting to um, find out, figure out, trying to maintain the culture that was there while still, um, I guess, being welcoming to so many people. So is it 10,000 it's, it's, it's a weird now? juggle. It's 10,000 on Oz Social now? Uh more than that, yeah. I'm <laughs> wow. still like probably ten thousand people I haven't spoken to. 
Yeah, wow. That's, uh, wow. that's a bit of a jump. Is that in the last week? Yeah. And for you as a single person maintaining this instance? Oh, look, I'm sorry. I, I am the administrator, but the people side, the actual moderation team, I'm, I have four people that help me. Um, uh, Kat, Deborah, Harry, and Josh. So if they're listening, thank you very much. I adore your work, and you'll hear that from me uh, a lot over the next few months. What about you, Oren? You've got a different kind of instance. You mentioned earlier you had something like 74 users at the time. I know that's very deliberate, isn't it? It has been. So you mentioned at the beginning of this segment that um, Cloud Island has been uh, paid access uh, its entire life. And the reason for that was I wanted to make sure that the system was sustainable. I've looked at all of these other instances, not just or through the lens of how do I make this last if I'm providing community infrastructure and that's what this is this is community members providing community infrastructure how do I make that persistent how do I make it so that this isn't going to run out of money one day and not be able to pay the server bills so I have not seen the ex massive explosive growth that Schley has seen and had to fight 48 hours worth of fires but I have seen my like just the amount of traffic go up 10 times what it was la this time last week but and it's ridiculous to see that. Um, I think we put in like 40 or 50 new users over the last like few days uh, last week. It's been quite a jump. Yeah, and for a server of that scale, that is that's you know proportionally huge as well. And you've got to moderate all of that too, right? And I think that's uh, yeah, yeah, that's one of the things with with Mastodon as opposed to Twitter. And one of the reasons people are leaving Twitter is because Elon Musk's moderation strategy. It doesn't appear to exist, and there are a lot of people who aren't okay with that. And Mastodon does offer alternatives, but it does also mean that a lot of that labor then falls to instance administrators and their teams if they have them. Which is actually one of the best parts, I think, of Mastodon, is that you get a much more distributed sort of moderation where instance admins can apply the level of moderation and their teams of mods can apply the level of moderation they think is right for their community and for their segment of the broader federated network. So as a as a end user, you could come to Cloud Island and get my my take on what moderation should be, which is like very sort of hands-on and paying very close attention and blocking things before my users have to see it. Or you can go to something that's a lot more laissez-faire and much more hands-off. But you have now that choice of around a community social media system that you just didn't have before. You had what Twitter decided. And if Twitter decided that like Turf Supreme JK Rowling was going to stay on the site, that's the decision you got. Mm. And but now you have a choice, and I love that about Mastodon. It's interesting to see how celebrities and high-profile figures are also moving to Mastodon now. I know that today, just today, Stephen Fry deleted his account where he had 12 million followers, and he's been a prolific Twitter user for many years. Um, Neil Gaiman also moved over to another Mastodon instance as well. And while they may not be moving directly to you know your instances, they also bring a lot of their followers just generally into the wider Fediverse of instances. And I wonder how that changes the dynamic too, because we don't, you know, in the Fediverse, there's not that concept of the, the verified blue tick user, which is another thing that is on fire over on Twitter at the moment. So public figures um, are, you know, not 
having they don't have the same tools to scale in the same way and also the communities weren't as far as i'm aware designed to to have you know celebrity followings in quite this way how have you been experiencing that in terms of the community health in terms of the conversations or just just the load for you folks as as maintainers um can i i guess it's interesting because at first it's the idea of like you start an instance and you invite your friends and you, your friends are great. So they invite their friends and then they invite their, their friends. So there's a certain network effect there of good people. So at that point, your moderation is actually fairly low because you, like, even if it's just like uh, friends vetting friends, there's a certain element of like, po- hopefully not going to have any creeps in that, like that, that side as it starts to grow. Like, and that's kind of what I'm experiencing now, which is like, there's a lot of, um, a lot more people who are, um, hopefully still you know, still kind of bringing their best, but still very much in this way of like, it makes moderation more interesting because there's more people clashing and there's more like in groups. And there's more like people that don't know each other. Uh, and that's the interesting thing for me. Um, but the other thing is also, and this is the other thing about the idea of what Twitter is, is it's all about engagement. They, 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 they need infinite growth because they, they have shareholders. Like they need to have more people. So the, like, you know, like I said, JK Rowling tweeting trash that I would like, I would, like throw her out for is engagement to them. It, it, may, it gives stock. It basically yeah. gives um, stock, like shareholders money. Like mm. that's not good. That's not good community building. That's a, uh, you know, the free market, but it's not great. Yeah. I think that's a lot of what contributes to making Mastodon feel very cozy and like a community in a lot of those places, not just because the instances are small, but because the motivations for being there and running those instances are very different. Um, and, Although we don't have that much time left in the show, I did want to hear from both of you as well with that influx of new users and for the people listening, many of whom are probably trying it out or are probably maybe even signing up as we speak. Um, what would you like folks to know who are brand new to Mastodon? I know that there have been some interesting shifts and part of it is not, you know, is don't bring the Twitter energy there. But what what do you want folks to know who are new to Mastodon about how to be good community members wherever they land? Oren, could we start with you? Sure. I, the thing I love the most about Mastodon and I want to encourage new people to do is uh, something that Warren and Roe mentioned earlier is that level of just being able to be more authentic. Twitter has ground us down in so many ways and we are now so cynical and bitter and dark with what we post on Twitter. But on Mastodon, we post cats of Mastodon. Like we have that hashtag. I saw one the other day, which was a Welsh word for sheep. So now there is a <laughs> hashtag on Mastodon for sheep. And there's that level of whimsy and that level of just authenticity and bringing yourself as a person to a community and not having that everything is tainted by brands. As If new users can come and bring that authenticity to a community and keep that up, that was what I would love to see. What about usually? Um, I think the short answer is like, as the admin is like, I'm a nerd. I can, I can make it stable, but it is the people who are joining and trying to make it safe. Um, and those are two things being floating through my head. And because it's a lot of things like, there's a lot of technical people like myself that think they can solve social problems with technology. Um, <laughs> but I think I've realized more and more that's like, people have to build something nice. And I'm hoping that that's. I'm hoping that happens. That's delightful. And, 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 and thank, thank you for people who have joined, like our instance, and joined Mastodon. And I'm 
Yeah. We just give them a place to walk. They have to build the community in it. You're on Bite Into It on 3 Triple R with Ro, Warren and Lily. And we have been speaking this evening to Oren and Schlee, both maintainers of Mastodon Instances. Thank you so much for being on the show tonight. Hi, this is Vanessa Taholka. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Triple R's Bite Into It, a weekly radio show exploring tech news. Broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Wednesday. Hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch with us via Triple R's website or Bite Into It's Twitter or Facebook accounts.